0: Hi, my name is Lindsay Adams, and you are listening to Mindful as a Mother. We all know that I'm a big advocate for spending 15 minutes of one-on-one time with your child daily. Now, Obviously, that can get very tricky with busy schedules and life, or you can run out of ideas for things to do one-on-one with your kids. And this is where KiwiCo comes in. I've told you about our rainbow crate that we tried, and we seriously loved it. So if you're wanting to find an easy craft project or science project for your kids where everything is prepped and ready to go and cost-effective, go to the link in the show notes and get on your subscription for KiwiCo. This podcast is not intended to be a substitute for therapy or the therapeutic relationship, and the information given in this podcast is purely for educational purposes and is not intended to replace the advice of a professional. Welcome back to Mindful as a Mother. This is Lindsay, and I'm so excited that you are here today to listen to this episode. This is part two of The Anxious Child, where we talk about the tips for what you can do if you feel like your child is experiencing some kind of anxiety or anxious feelings about a certain event. Before we dive into that, I just wanted to thank all of you for all of your support, your reviews, your shares. They truly mean the world to me. And I am just loving the feedback that I'm getting from new listeners, old listeners, about what they're liking about the podcast and what they want to hear more of. And so, yeah, thank you. You truly are like all my mom friends right? And if you know me in real life, you know, I have like three friends. So it feels nice to have all of these mom friends and to have this community of moms supporting each other. And yeah, Uh, if you watch my Instagram at all, you know that I am having a wild living my best life summer so far, meaning that we went camping last weekend. We got home Tuesday it's Wednesday today and then we leave Friday to go to Bear Lake and stay in a lake house for the weekend and this was really just poor planning on my part because I didn't look at the dates I was just trying to book a campsite because campsites are hard to come by in Utah right now and so I planned it and then I was like oh this is going to be wild so I put a little post up with a poll about if I was going to be a hot mess or if I was going to be calm as a cucumber. If you know anything about me, you know that I am a nightmare when it comes to planning and anxiety and I'm working on just taking it down a notch and calming down a little bit and letting things not be perfect and simplifying life. So in a quick update, because we've gone on the camp trip, we're now on the in-between. I had my nightmare moment before we even left for the camping trip and I was like oh great now I'm really gonna be a nightmare if I can't even hold it together through the first trip so we're trying to get everything put together and ready and if we have a a, like a trailer not like a trailer it is a trailer and it's the first time we've taken it out this year it's older it needs a little bit of work so Tim's trying to fix some flooring and And I'm trying to clean it and get it packed. And I don't know why I feel the need to scrub the camper from top to bottom and like make it pristine and pretty when literally we're going to the desert to get a bunch of sand and dirt and bugs in it. But um, I do. And so I was freaking out a little bit trying to get everything packed and get all the condiments and all the food. And I kind of just lost my mind a little. And Tim and I got in a huge argument. Um, And I was reminded that camping brings to the surface every issue that is present in my marriage. And also I just need to chill the F out sometimes. So I was able to do that before the trip, which was maybe kind of nice. At first I was like, oh gosh, really shaming myself for having this meltdown before the camping trip even started. But then going on the camping trip kind of helped me like, okay, I'm cool. I had already gotten it out. I was relaxed. I didn't feel stressed. We had a great time. Now we're back for kind of a quick turnaround and so we'll see if I lose it again. I hope I don't but I'll keep you updated. You know that I will keep it real with you. Okay uh, so let's just dive into part two of So Your Child's Anxious. Let's talk about something I touched on before in the first episode was the difference between clinical anxiety and anxious feelings. Clinical anxiety is meeting criteria to be diagnosed with an anxiety disorder. Therapists and doctors use this fancy purple book called the DSM-5. There's other versions, but number five is purple. And it pretty much says uh, you or your child has to experience these symptoms for a certain amount of time before they can be diagnosed with this anxiety disorder. The common ones that we see to diagnose are generalized anxiety disorder. I would say that's the most common. Um, there's also like phobias and social anxiety disorder, or like panic disorder when people get panic attacks. So I'm telling you all this just just so you know that that's what we're operating from. Then there is anxiety, like we talk about it in day to day life. I'm I get anxiety over planning. I get anxiety over a job interview. Oh, sorry. That is me forgetting to mute my phone. So there are normal times where anxiety or feelings of anxiety come up. The anxiety is a feeling. And so you can have the anxiety feeling without being diagnosed with a full-on anxiety disorder. And if you do have a full-on anxiety disorder or your kid does, welcome to the club. I am lead member of generalized anxiety disorder just kidding i don't know if i'm the lead member but i am definitely one of the members for multiple symptoms of anxiety all the time so um keeping that in mind your child can have an event or situation that they struggle with anxiety in relation to. They get nervous about it. They have a hard time with it, but not have a full blown anxiety disorder. And maybe they don't need therapy. They just need help dealing with that one situation. A therapist can definitely help you deal with that one situation. But I'm just trying to like give you the perspective. So what we're talking about here, when I talk about implementing these parenting strategies or tips, those are things that you can do for both. But if your child you think meets criteria to be diagnosed with anxiety definitely get them to a professional to make sure and to make sure that they are getting all of the resources and help available to them we'll just break down the first two things real quick because y'all know I'm gonna say this so there's therapy and medication management those are things that you need to talk to a professional about about if they would be a good fit for your child but those are options and they are good options even if your child just has a little bit of anxiety medication you can go to your pediatrician And talk to them about options. And if they feel like your child's a good fit for medication, you don't need to see a psychiatrist right off the bat. A lot of people don't know that, that they can talk to their pediatrician about those things. That can be a very helpful starting point. You can also talk to your pediatrician about therapy and if they feel like that would be helpful. And then finding a good therapist to help your child work through the root of the anxious feelings and how to manage them can be super helpful as well. So now that we got those out of the way, um, the first thing you want to do if your child worries excessively, struggles with separation, any kind of anxious feeling in a certain situation is to help them identify what anxiety feels like. Teach them what the word means help them figure out where they feel it in their body, what situations it shows up in, so that when you are talking to them about this feeling, you guys are on the same page and they know what you are trying to talk to them about. This can be as simple as finding a good YouTube video and talking about it, sharing about times that you feel anxious, making sure they understand what the word anxious means. And sometimes for younger kids, I use the word nervous or scared or worried and we talk about situations that they feel worried a lot of times they they can't identify that they feel worried they just know that they feel something whether it's a stomach ache or they don't want to go somewhere so let me give you an example a lot of times i'll get children who struggle with going to school because of anxiety either about the social interaction or being away from their parents. And when I talk to them about this, they don't come to me and say, I have anxiety about going to school because they're kids. So they don't know what that means. They say, I don't know. I just, you know, it's time to go to school and my stomach starts to hurt and my heart starts to race and I just start crying. And then my mom says, get in the car and that makes me cry more. And I just freak out and I don't know why. So taking it a step further, what kind of thoughts are you having when you are about to go to school? Well, I'm worried about being away from my mom. I'm worried if she's going to be on time to pick me up. I don't like it when she's not around me. Then you can kind of see, like, okay, what other things are you worried about? And help them make that connection and say, oh, you're nervous about going to school. So they know what's going on with them in their body. Helping them identify where it happens in their body and how they react to it so that when they're in that situation again, you can say, oh, you're feeling nervous about school and really validate that feeling in the moment. But if you don't know what's going on and you're just guessing and then trying to talk to them like, oh, are you having anxiety about school? They may not know what you're saying to them. They may just be like, no, I'm not. I just, I don't feel good. I don't want to go to school, right? So doing that education piece is the foundation. And you should do this with all feelings and your kids. And really, it happens through life experience and them going through things. But the education piece on it's normal to be nervous when you're leaving your mom for a long period of time or when you're trying something new or when you have soccer tryouts. Getting those butterflies in your tummy is a normal feeling. And we're going to talk about things that you can do to help you through that. So education, educate your kids, talk about it. If they're struggling to handle the concept or or they're struggling to understand the concept or identify it in themselves, a really easy way to teach this is to point it out in other situations. That can be by sharing your own experiences with feeling nervous or anxious and pointing it out in shows, in movies and books what do you think that Daniel Tiger's feeling this day oh he's feeling worried there has got to be a Daniel Tiger episode on anxiety I don't know I love Daniel Tiger so I'm sure there is one but any show will do and it it will likely be a show that they like and you're already watching together so you guys can talk about it and have a conversation around it. Also sometimes kids wonder if because they're having these feelings if there's something wrong with them and having the conversation about a friend or about a show depersonalizes it so it's something that's easier to talk about and open up about and then once they see that it's a normal feeling that everyone has they may feel more comfortable talking about it in terms of themselves the next thing I have is to be a detective so once they know what nervousness worried anxiety is be a detective about your child's behavior and feelings I heard someone use this example um, or this metaphor when it comes to parenting in that mental health um, panel that I did a month or so ago. And I think this is the best way to describe it. Figure out what's really going on. Why don't they want to go to school? Is it because they're being bullied? Someone's teasing them? They don't feel like they have any friends? They're afraid to be away from you? They don't like their teacher? What is the reason? A lot of times as parents, we want to Just have our kids do what they're supposed to do, quote unquote, supposed to do. We want them to just comply. And so we'll say, my kid's anxious about school or about going to dance alone. And we don't ever really know why. So how can we help that or change that if we don't know what's going on? Sometimes this means you have to sit back and observe. Watch what's going on watch their interactions, watch those things. Sometimes we need to just ask a lot of questions and ask the right questions. Um, some of the questions that can be helpful is, what thoughts are you having before you start to get upset? What makes you nervous about going to soccer tryouts alone or going to school or tornadoes, right? Whatever it is. Last time I talked about... um natural disasters and kind of seeing CNN on at school and it took and it takes a minute of asking questions and how do you know what ISIS is? How do you know what an earthquake is? Well we talked about it in science and then they said we live on a fault line here in Utah and we're gonna have the biggest earthquake ever and all of a sudden they have this built-up anxiety in their head and you can say oh okay and that's where you can do some education to change those thoughts but you can also know what's going on. And why they are reacting this way and what they are actually afraid of instead of just trying to force them to do something that they're afraid of because it's easier for you or because you're supposed to be doing it. As parents, we get really caught up in the day-to-day and just getting stuff done. And sometimes we forget to stop and say, why is my kid behaving this way? Because underneath every behavior is a need that your child needs to have met or a feeling they need to express, but they just don't have the cognitive ability or the social ability or the communication ability to express it yet. So as parents, it's our job to figure out what that is and help address that. Maybe it's that they're hungry, that they're tired. Those are the other things that it's important to take into account. So Be a detective. Figure out what's going on. And once you feel like you have a good idea of what's going on, then you can create a plan for how to handle those situations in in advance. If it's a situation that warrants that, you can create some coping skills around that event. You can say, oh, we really do need to get you into a therapist because you're anxious all the time about everything. And this, this needs a more professional look than just, you know, adjusting a few things, creating a routine, those things. If you feel like after figuring out what's going on and your child can identify and talk about what they're feeling, that it's just a situation that you need to plan for or add a few small tweaks to, it may not be something that needs professional help right away. If you're wondering if it needs professional help, I would always encourage you to get in touch with your pediatrician or therapist and ask. Um, Or schedule a consultation or an, an intake or mental health assessment and just see. Because having that peace of mind sometimes as a parent that the behavior your child is displaying is normal for their age or that they just need a few quick skills can really be relieving for you. And then that energy and that confidence and like okay we got this rubs off on your child and they can see that they can handle their own emotions so don't hesitate if it's something you're considering don't feel like I'm deterring you from that I'm just trying to give options for um parents of children who maybe don't feel like their their kid needs full on therapy but they just want a few tips to help them because they're prone to anxiety or and I think we're all prone to anxiety. We're all going to be anxious at some point in our lives about something. And so we want to teach our children how to manage those situations and these are the tips that can help you do that. So some other some some quick things you can do is knowing what sets your child off, and then planning around it. Sometimes children, we don't communicate with children the way we would an adult in terms of schedules, um, what's going on. We kind of just expect them to roll with it and then not ask questions. And that's not really super fair of us as parents. So I found with my own kids and with my clients that if the parent communicates the agenda for the day, or the week sometimes it takes having a calendar if the child likes that and likes to look at that to know what's going on and what's coming up then it helps the child manage better and not get as anxious so maybe it's a I'm just going to keep going with the school example because I've been using that this entire time maybe it's a calendar of the days that they have school and they don't have school so the child knows when they have to go to school If they get nervous about the dentist or soccer, they can look at that. You can also give your child reminders the night before, the morning of big events, or things that make them nervous so that they can plan ahead in their head for that. Now, this is a double-sided one because then there is those rarer kids who don't who don't do well with planning. The planning makes them more anxious knowing what's going to happen makes it worse. If if this is your child and you and you're gonna say to me well Lindsay I've tried that and it just makes everything so much worse so much harder then this is where you maybe tell them when they're on their way to do something that way they don't have time to worry and build themselves up over it. You are the one that knows your child the best. So you can be the judge over whether we tell them the plans or whether we wait. But I would just go into it intentionally knowing what you're doing and why you're doing it rather than just winging it. So recognizing that this escalates, so not knowing the plans escalates the situation. So I'm going to make sure I communicate the plans. Knowing the plans escalates the situation, so I'm going to make sure we don't communicate the plans until when we're on the way or the morning of or whatever it is. Just being aware of what we're doing can be so much more, can be so beneficial to our kids because we are assessing their need and meeting it before they even realize they have it. This is a part of attunement, which which means being aware of our child's needs and meeting them when they express them or when we know they're going to have them. So doing that can save you a lot of time and energy in the long run and it it prevents these outbursts or struggles that aren't necessary. That being said, kids are going to get anxious sometimes. That's just part of life and teaching them to deal with that is just as important The next tip I have is to have some kind of routine. Now we are in summer right now. If you're listening to this, that when it comes out, that's when it's most difficult. Having a basic morning and bedtime routine is everything for kids who struggle with worrying or anxiety. Because they need to know what to expect. They need to know what comes next. It may be simple. It might be brush your teeth. We read a book. I tuck you in and you go to sleep. But it's the same thing every night and they know what to expect. Sometimes what can happen in summertime is parents will be on a really good morning and afternoon or I mean and bedtime routine and then summer happens and there's no routine in the morning or the afternoon or bedtime and it's just wild. And this can send kids over if they are, um, if they thrive on that routine. So even having a simple one like we get up, we eat breakfast, then we have free time. And just talking about it so that they know that that is the plan and that is the routine. Routines give children consistency and predictability, which is every person who gets anxious is a dream, right? We want to know what's going to happen. We want to know when it's going to happen and we want things to be consistent. So even just through our actions, that routine, that consistency helps kids feel safe and they don't have as many Incidences where they are feeling anxious or nervous, if we're providing that to them. The other way you can plan for nervousness or anxiety is in situations that you know will cause anxiety, putting coping skills in your head or having an idea of when to prompt them, or even if your child's old enough, having them practice them beforehand and then use them in the situation. So for this one, I'm going to give you a quick example. My son hates the dentist. He had a bad dental experience when he was younger and the sedation didn't work. So he woke up being restrained and had to be restrained by, I wasn't in the room, I wasn't allowed in the room and it really scared him. So anytime we go to the doctor or get a haircut or anywhere where he feels like People might take him from me. He gets very, very upset. The dentist is the worst because it's the place that it happened. And if you don't know this already about Sam, he's not neurotypical. We're not quite sure what's going on. Um, it may just be some ADHD, is what I'm thinking as he ages. But so there's a little bit of a regulation struggle there with him sometimes. And so, uh, and I'm aware of that. So going into the dentist, we talk about it the night before. I say, hey buddy, we're going to the dentist tomorrow or I'm going to pick you up from school and then take you to the dentist and then we're going to go to the gas station after so you can pick a treat. I, I say this, he usually gets excited. He's like, okay, and then I move on. Then the next morning rolls around and I remind him, hey buddy, remember we're going, I'm going to pick you up from school today and then I'm going to take you to the dentist and then we're going to go to the gas station and get a treat. And I'll say like, yeah, okay, mom, dentist, gas station. He likes to know the order we're going to do things. And so I remind him of the order a lot. And I, he doesn't need tons of warning right now because he's only five. But he does need some warning. So I'll give him that and he likes to know the routine and then I'll kind of say I know that you don't I won't kind of say I always say kind of but I don't mean kind of I will say I know you don't like the dentist I know the dentist feels scary and I'm going to stay with you the whole time we're just going to get your teeth cleaned and they're not going to take you from me he'll typically respond with they're not going to take Sam i will say no they're not going to take Sam from me I'm going to stay with you the whole time so I reassure him that he doesn't have to leave me and that after we'll go and he can pick any treat he wants at the gas station we roll up to the dentist he's usually just fine at this point and then we walk in the door and that's where things get a little bit iffy so in my head I, I have planned out and things that I already use with him when he's struggling to regulate or focus And one of them is to just like prompt deep breathing. So I'll say take a nice deep breath and he will. I hold his hand the whole time. That physical touch can be really helpful if your child's nervous. Some kids it makes things worse. So definitely decide ahead of time which is the best. And like I said, be intentional about it. Either use it or don't, but be intentional about why you're doing the things you're doing as a parent. So I hold his hand the whole time. I'm upbeat. We're talking. I'm pointing things out. I try and be really mindful of being super present with him when we are going through the dentist experience. I put my phone in my purse. I don't look at it. I even have a hard time with... You know, when you go to the dentist and they're like wanting to like make sure you live at the same place, your insurance is the same. Like I, on the phone when they call me, I say, you know, he really struggles. So can we do all this before I live at the same place? My insurance is the same. This is, you know, what I need to do. And then I schedule the next appointment before. So I don't have to deal with that while I'm trying to regulate him. It just takes one more external factor out of the equation. So then as we get going, they usually call him back and I'll be super engaged, still holding his hand, talking to him. They want him to sit on the table. This is usually when the freak out happens. So what I'll say is, you know, do you want me to sit on the table with you? Do you want to whatever? So this last time we went, he did really well. He got up on the table for like half a second and then he was like, "Mm, I'm not really a fan of this. So I got on the table with him and I said, do you want to sit on my lap? sat on my lap and we talked and they looked at his teeth and then halfway through he started to get weird and he so I would prompt the deep breathing take a nice deep breath take a nice deep breath he'll do it he'll calm down a lot of the times he'll say I'm going to be brave I'm going to do this and I'll say remember you're so brave I'll use those affirmations if you have an affirmation that your child likes this is the time to use it and so I use, I'm so brave, or you're so brave. So I'll say, you're so brave. You're being so brave. And then I'll remind him of the reward. So as he's starting to freak out, which this does happen, starting to scream, starting to wriggle, trying to get out of my arms, I will say, remember, we're going to get a treat at the gas station after. We just have to let them brush our teeth and then we can go to the gas station. With the reward, I never make the reward for things like this behavior dependent. Because I know that he has true fear of the dentist or situations where he will be taken from me. Because it is a true worry, it is not a behavioral thing, I am not going to make it behavioral dependent. I go into the dentist with the expectation that it is going to be an absolute shit show and he's going to scream and cry the whole time. And then we're going to go to the gas station and I'm going to get a fountain diet That's what I call a diet cook. And he's going to pick his treat. And we're just going to celebrate that we survived and that shit's over for six months. So that's what the reward is. It's for both of us. It's a way like, hey, we made it through this. It is not behavior dependent. So I remind him of the reward. I just remember we just have to let him brush your teeth and look at your teeth. And then we can go get the treat. I continue to prompt him sometimes. So I know with Sam physical pressure on his arms helps. So I'll like wrap my arms around him and hug him and prompt him to take deep breaths. Or I'll say, listen to my breath. Can you hear my heart? Look at that fish over there. I prompt him to look at visual things and do those grounding things so that he is able to be present in his own body and calm down. Then we get through it. He gets his prize. He usually gets super excited about the prize and we go to the gas station. So those are some things that you can think about and apply to your own situation. Now, all of those things aren't going to work for your kid because your kid is not my kid. And maybe your kid just does just fine at the dentist, but they struggle in another area. Maybe they struggle with going to school or worrying about earthquakes or something else. And that's where you can adapt and adjust the plan. Maybe your child gets nervous about sports or sporting events. And so Saturday mornings are awful because they're nervous too play basketball in front of people, be a detective, figure out why they are feeling nervous to play basketball, and then help create a coping plan for Saturday mornings. Maybe it's a routine for like, okay, buddy, we're going to go to your game and you're going to have so much fun and you make the goal fun and then say, what do you want to eat after you get to pick lunch and focus on that reward for just showing up even though they're scared. I think that's the perfect way to describe it. The reward is for showing up and getting through the thing rather than behavior. And focus on implementing prompts or saying like, okay, take a nice deep breath. You can do this. That encouraging word from you and either that physical contact, if it's helpful or not, can be a make or break in these situations where your child just loses it. So... I hope some of these tips were helpful. I hope you can apply some to your day to day life. Now we are going to switch gears to the mom fails. The mom fails this week have a specific theme that comes from personal experience. So I was at work last week and I get a text from my mother in law that says, I just had to pull corn out of Ella's nose. And I was like, oh my gosh. So, I haven't had this happen before with a child, but I've noticed Ella trying to put things in her nose, and I'll tell her no, no. Well, apparently, at lunch that day, she decided to shove some corn in her nose. Then, after her nap, she came out and was still bugging her nose. My mother in law looked up there again, and apparently, there was a bigger kernel, and she had to get tweezers and get the corn out. This was So I got another text that said, I just pulled the biggest kernel corn out of her nose. So of course, I'm like, I am so sorry. I can't believe she did that. And my mother-in-law proceeds to tell me that my husband shoved nards up his nose when he was a kid, which I think is funny. I never shoved anything up my nose as a kid that I remember. And this made me think, this must be like a common mom experience. So I asked people What's the weirdest thing your kid's ever shoved up their nose? And I got a lot of great responses and some great tips for if your child ever shoves things up their nose. So I'm going to read those to you for my mom fails today. It's not technically a mom fail, but it's funny. And half the time I just need to change mom fail to ways your kids have terrorized you. Because that is really what a mom fail is. So here we go. A piece of a foam stress ball. I nearly took my child to the emergency room to get it out. My usual methods didn't work because it wasn't solid. We ended up getting it out by having my kid blow his nose super hard while I held the other nostril closed. Now that is the tip I think that comes most often. If your child can blow their own nose. Mine cannot yet. And we're trying to teach them, but they can't yet. And... A foam stress ball would be tricky because it's like squishy and you're trying to get it out. And I don't know if you've ever tried to pick your kid's nose, but it's something I do on the regular. Um, That's a whole other weird thing about me we can talk about on another day. But my fingers don't really fit up their nose. So I don't know how we're even getting stuff out of a, a three-year-old nose at this point. But yeah, mm, foam stress ball, not good. I would be stressed, pun fully intended. Okay, popcorn kernels. Up her nose when we lived in Vegas. It took three doctors over two days and a trip to the ER to get them out. I need to know if this child thought she was making popcorn. And if she thought popcorn was going to come out her nose because that these are thoughts kids have. Next one. The only thing I've ever had to remove was a Lego piece, but that's it. Well, that is also square going in a round hole, so... That must have been painful. I don't know what the desire to shove things up the nose is either. Like you don't hear about kids putting things in their ears, but they put stuff in their nose. I don't know. Lego on Christmas morning cost $1,800 to remove at the ER since nothing else was open. Now that is an expensive Christmas. Very expensive. Next one is wood chip from daycare. Um, she posted a picture of the wood chip and it is probably like a couple inches long looks to be very painful (laughs) and um I don't that might be easier to get out because it's like long and skinny and you can maybe grab a hold of it but um yeah that's okay a small rock face palm emoji yeah mm mm-hmm also i don't like how rocks smell so i can't imagine having a rock up my nose okay this one is hysterical and there's a reason i saved it for last the heart of tefiti from a disney adorable set just a heads up before you go to the er if before you do the tweezer or the er which this is the very helpful tip that i got pinch the nostril that doesn't have the object in it and blow hard into their mouth the object should shoot out the nose real quick and crisis averted. So if if your kid ever shoves anything up their nose, try this out. Let me know how it worked. True story. I did this with the heart of Tafiti on my daughter just this Monday and it worked like a charm. So we have saved the heart of Tafiti, which happened in the Moana movie and in this mother's house. And we have all learned how to safely remove items from our child's nose. Now, Am I the only person that has considered just trying this out on their child, just to see if boogers shoot out, and and how well it really works? I may be, I may be a little crazy, but I, it just makes me want to try it. But I don't want my kid to shove anything else up their nose. So, um, then then the the phone nose mom commented and said that's usually what I do, but my son had foam in his nose, so it had no effect. Anyway, there we go. It's, you know, just a wild a wild ride being a parent. And kids shove things in their nose, in their other mouths, right? Um, so this was a really fun mom fail. I wish I had thought of it without having to personally experience. And see, I didn't even have to get this stuff out of her nose. Like, my mother-in-law came to the rescue and just did it for me. I don't know how these things work in your house but like my husband is like the gentle medical person so if someone gets hurt they need a sliver removed they need corn plucked out of their n- nostril it is not going to be me that does it it will 10 out of 10 times be him because he's like gentle and loving in a way that I just cannot be and I do not do well in a crisis like that an emotional crisis I'm your girl corn up the nose not your girl. So anyway, I hope you got a good chuckle and I cannot wait to talk to you guys next week. Don't forget, don't forget to be peace, be love, be mindful as a mother. If you want more of mindful as a mother, you can find me on Instagram at Linz underscore Adams, L-C-S-W. Once again, at Linz, L-I-N-D-S, underscore Adams, L-C-S-W.